Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
Everyone, welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Paul Leftenegger and Ms. Diamond Light, an energy that I think we all need to nurture within our own personalities. I'm a diamond light. That means um, I can be flawless and I can have maybe a little bit of a flaw here and there, but I'm still a diamond. And if we can keep acknowledging the importance of the way that we think has a lot to do with the way that we feel then we'll definitely become far more accountable to our choices of words, our choices of um, how we listen, what we choose to listen to, but also what we choose to believe in as well. Right now in America, there's a lot of opportunity available for us to choose how we want to think about ourselves and how we wish to think about others. And I think right now the stress factor on various levels that they're at such an all-time high. The stress factor of honoring your religion, your color, your race, your country, even the stress factor of what political side you perhaps have pure pride in and to what extent are they living up to the values or or the ideal in which you hold for particular side you choose to um, serve. And I'm sure to post today that we're at a point of choosing, do we serve fear or do we serve love? And as much as that sounds easy to say with words, have you been observing your day-to-day moments if you are coming from fear or if you are coming from love? And it's clear that if we are coming from fear, the stress factor will be high because fear isn't a natural energy. It is an energy in all of us now, there's no doubt. But it's not intrinsic. That's what I needed to say. It's not an intrinsic quality of the personality. It is learned. It is acquired. It became a habit. And throughout history, many of us, whether it's in our family, in our schools, in cities, in religion, in the workplace, in countries. And sometimes use fear as a tactic to disempower people, knowing that we all struggle with fear, but maybe we're not all the best at our fear, like others are. You know, like some people might really just drive the fear factor in a way you can't touch me. You know, I might be the most powerful person in this house, so you can't say anything to me. And it disempowers people because they don't want to challenge that energy of fear if their love isn't greater than the fear that they're witnessing. And I feel that's what we're going through as a country is that we are being invited to amplify the quality of love. And when you think about coming from a place of love, it's where you won't even have a thought about the weakness or the negativity of another person. You won't even question your ability to soar or fall. I mean, love is this energy that could make um, a flower grow in, in the most roughest of soil. I remembered... Um, our first meditation place in Washington. And they had, I don't know how it happened, but they had installed an air-conditioned unit over this rose bush. 
And would you believe that that rose bush continued to not only blossom the most fragrant roses, but it didn't die? That's the kind of love I'm talking about. So that's what I mean. Our love has to be higher than the fear. It has to be bigger to apply love on the way we think, on the way we take care of our bodies, with the way we take care of people in our immediate environment, and the way we take care of our humanity. But, you know, this is where I feel that if we can just turn up this volume of love more, our stress factor will go down, and individuals who are initiating the fear factor will change. Everywhere he or she turns, they'll only see love. They'll only see love. They won't see the fear that they've been trying to use as a weapon. Can you imagine everywhere you turn, if you've been the fear monster and you turn left and you turn right and you turn up and you turn down and all you witnessed in the eyes of people and the vibrations of people was love, you'd realize that what you're doing isn't right. It's not to your best ability because at the end love will win. So food for thought today is we are very pleased to welcome a very special guest. And joining us today is C. Viley Wright, and she's a Ph.D., Director of Research and Special Projects in Practice Research and Policy at the American Psychological Association. And since 2007, the American Psychological Association has commissioned an annual nationwide survey as part of its mind-body health campaign to examine the state of stress across the country, but also to understand its impact. The 2018 Stress in America survey focused on stress and also Generation Z. And Dr. Wright today will shed some light on the stress in the United States of America and what it all means. Hello, Dr. Wright. Thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Did you hear some of my thoughts about the stress factor in the U.S. of fear and and how I feel like it's really important, which is a big assignment, Dr. Wright, for us to turn up our volume of love just as an individual in our own lives? Did you hear what I was sharing earlier? Yes, I was able to hear what you were sharing earlier, and I think you're absolutely correct, and I really appreciated the way that you summarized, I think, the state of the nation right now. Mm. So let's talk about the state of the nation. How was your 2018 Stress in America survey conducted, and actually what does it measure and identify? Sure. So like you mentioned, we've been doing our Stress in America survey since 2007, and we um, conducted in collaboration with Harris Poll, and every year we survey a nationwide sample of adults. This year it was just over 3,400 adults, and again, as you mentioned, some younger adults this year as well. And we ask individuals to rate their level of stress, to tell us what sorts of things are causing them stress, and then we ask them, you know, how are they managing that stress in their day-to-day lives? Mm, And what was the result? Um, So what we have found over the last several years is that stress levels seem to be more or less trending downwards, and they've sort of plateaued. So people rate their stress level on a 1 to 10 scale somewhere around a 5. But what's interesting Mm. is when you ask them what's a healthy level of stress, 
almost mm-hmm. everybody is above what they think is the healthy level. So regardless what of level? what your number is, so in the healthy level, people say it's around a four. So if four mm. is a healthy level of stress, almost everybody's above it. And when you look at it by age ranges, younger adults, so millennials and those in Gen Z, are always at the highest ranges of stress. So we really know that our younger generations are struggling right now. Mm, I bet. Um, Dr. Wright, what is stress and what are the health consequences of stress? Sure. So stress is really your body's natural way of responding to adverse or just demanding circumstances. And these can be positive experiences too, like, for example, getting married or having a baby are generally considered positive things but can be stressful. But there's mm-hmm. also negative circumstances that can cause stress, like losing a job or you know, not having a place to live. And stress in and of itself isn't harmful. It can actually motivate us to do things. If we have a big test coming up and we're stressed about it, ideally that would encourage us to study so that we could be more successful. The problem comes when stress never relents. When it becomes chronic and unmanaged over a long period of time, that's when we see that it can really lead to significant physical and mental health problems. Mm, Wow, interesting. A lot of times when we go to the doctor, they will always identify that, you know, your illness is stress-related. And when you look at stress, I look at stress coming from more a thought level than just a physical level. Because a lot of people will say, oh, God, I have so many deadlines. I have this to do, I have that to do. Or the kids are driving me crazy. My husband, this, the traffic. But it isn't really stress based on the way that you're perceiving all of that, your kids, your traffic, your job. Isn't that the root cause of stress? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's our perceptions that drive our behavior. So when we perceive something as – so again, some events just are are stressful by their nature. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Getting divorced is just – it's a stressful event. But how you perceive the divorce or the experience in the moment and how you cope with it – right, determines the long-term effects it could have on you both physically but also mentally. Right, right. So based on the survey in 2018, is stress on the rise and what are some of the main sources of stress that the research has found? So in our 2018 study, we found that people were reporting more symptoms of stress than in the past. So when you ask them about um, how frequently they experienced headaches or had trouble sleeping, uh, we did see an increase in those areas. Um, But overall, stress levels have sort of plateaued. Um, One notable exception was right after the 2016 election, we saw a statistically significant spike in stress. Um, but that seems to come back down. And when we ask people, you know, what is it that causes you stress, year after year after year, the top two are, choices are always work and money. Work and money seem to be the things that really drive um, American adult stress level. What's interesting about this year, however, is that particularly among younger adults and adolescents, they were reporting uh, issues in the national news that were causing stress, like mass shootings, the rise in suicide rates, climate change and global warming, and the separation and deportation of immigrants and migrant families, that these were really the issues driving stress, particularly for younger generations. Mm, Wow, interesting. It's a lot, isn't it, for this generation? I always think about folks between the ages of 15 to 21. Uh, Is their stress level different from those of the past? It's hard to tell because we didn't specifically look at this younger generation in previous Uh surveys. 
Um, but uh-huh. it's hard to ignore the fact that that you know Gen Z or the 15 to 21 year olds are reporting higher than average levels of stress, and that they are living in a world that is very different than generations past. Um, it, you can't ignore the role that technology has on our current youth, that they are constantly connected in ways that older adults never were, um, that they get information in an instant, and it's not just national, it's global, and then the role of social media and sort of this blur between the private and the public life that, again, I don't think previous generations have ever had to experience in the same way. It's a lot of pressure. Especially with the news. I mean, what can Gen Zs do if they're stressed by the issues in the news? It's a lot. Sure. Sure. So, you know, what's really interesting is when we ask adults, you know, do you pay attention to news, the large majority do, but they also report that it causes them stress. So Mm -hmm. while we encourage people to stay informed, I think it's really important for people to stay informed. We also encourage people to take a really active role in putting some boundaries around the amount, the type, uh, and when they take in the news. So we really discourage people from maybe starting their day or ending their day with the news, right? If watching the news and watching the pundits, you know, causes you more stress than reading it online, then stay away from the TV. Turn off your notifications on the phone so that you're not hearing every last-minute thing that happens. Um, And maybe even, you know, limit your news consumption to one hour a day. Maybe it's how you use your uh, commute on the way home, or maybe it's the lunch period that you, you know, just take in the news that you need and then you let it go. Because the honest truth is that for most of us, we don't need to know the breaking news at 10 o'clock at night. We can get a sense of what's going on in the world within a finite amount of time and then, you know, move on with our day. It's so hard sometimes, Dr. Wright. It's become such a habit. You know, the habit has formed itself that it's like, how do you stop it, you know? <laughs> it is, and, and part of that is because there's so much uncertainty in this world right now. And so mm-hmm. when we feel so much uncertainty, it makes us want to gain some control. And so we do things like we constantly check our phone to see if something new has happened or something better has happened. And while that, that's understandable and it, it makes sense from a human behavior point of view, all it really does is keep our stress level high, and it just keeps us in this really hypervigilant state of being. Um, where we're always on edge, and then we never give our body time to relax um, or to, I think, reflect and engage in that sort of loving that you were talking about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Would you say that we've gotten just normalized in stress and with the energy of stress flowing through our system, does it reduce our lifespan? The survey yeah. say or the research do any of, uh, reveal any of that? Yeah, absolutely. We do think that part of why people's stress levels have stayed the same over the last few years is because this has just become our new normal, that we almost Mm -hmm. don't even recognize that we are more stressed than what is healthy. And we do know from the research that, again, when we have chronic and unmanaged stress, so the stress that just never seems to resolve and it just always stays at a level, that we do have significant negative health consequences, including high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, obesity, anxiety, and depression, and all these conditions can lead to mortality, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Are you hopeful about the future? Taking into consideration, one, the Gen Zs are next, is is who we're going to leave behind. And if we're going to leave behind this generation to sustain our future, um, are you hopeful taking into consideration the research that you've done so far? 
yeah, you know, when we asked um, Generation Z in particular about the future, um, the majority of them, 71%, reported feeling hopeful about their own future. And almost 60% said that they'd taken some sort of action in the last year, um, like signing a petition or you know, speaking with friends and families about their political and social views. So I think we have a very active younger generation coming up that wants to make change. One of the concerning things we saw, however, was that that didn't seem to translate in a desire to vote in the elections. And that younger adults still, even though they're reporting high levels of stress around national news, it's not translating into feeling like they need to go to the polls and make a change, Um, at least when you compare them to older generations. Older adults are still much more likely to say they're going to vote. And it could just be that there are legit, real logistical uh, barriers for younger adults. They can't get out of work or out of school or have transportation issues. But I also worry that it could be a lack of confidence, right, that their vote will make a difference. And so we see younger adults wanting to make change and maybe just not quite sure how to do it yet. Hmm, that's a very interesting um, answer. Thank you for sharing that with me. That concerns me, especially with where we are right now as a country. What would you suggest would be a a way in inspiring the younger generations to be able to receive what we're getting from the country, leadership as such, that can just emote them to move the healthy form of stress into action where there's some recognition that your voice or your vote really does matter. Any thoughts? I think it helps when you see um, individuals in our legislature, whether it's Congress or the Senate, that look more like you, right, that are that are younger, mm-hmm. that are um, not just older, white, cisgender men, but that represent who you are um, and what you care about and the issues that are important to you. So I think that helps mm-hmm. to motivate others. I think, you know, there are real policy changes that we could make around voting that would enable many disenfranchised groups to, to be able to mm-hmm. vote if we made it a national holiday like a lot of other countries do. Um, when we provide, you know, day of registration, we know really brings in younger adults because um, they can register and see that their vote really happens in the moment. And I think we need to be talking about it. I think, you know, younger adults, when they see others, you know, who are influencers, whether it's on social media or whatever, talking about the importance of it, I think that that also helps increase the turnout and then people feel like they can make an active difference. Mm, That's an interesting answer because even with our current leadership, it seems like there is a particular genre of folks in America that don't necessarily look like the current leadership in terms of physical, you know what I mean? Okay, the color of the skin, yes. But in terms of the economical background, the upbringing, the way that they've been in it, I think that's what's made it a little bit confusing or complex. I don't know what the right use of words might be right now, but there are individuals who are looking at this energy that doesn't really represent much of whatever they have lived or who they've been and yet they have bought into that energy and are going to the polls, even if they got help from a foreign country. But they're going to the polls and they're and they're doing things to somehow... And it always intrigues me, like, what is it that actually created that energy that made, you know, a particular group of folks say, yeah, you know, I've been stressed out, um, previous leadership hasn't given us what we want, we're at, you know, a, 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 the end of our rope... 
And now we'll take anything that speaks what we want to hear. And it's been a stressful time in America, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we ask people to really reflect about the state of the nation right now, 56% said that this is the lowest point in the nation's history that they can remember. That's a large proportion of people. And Mm -hmm. 62% said that the current political climate is a significant source of stress. So I think in ways that maybe we haven't seen before, while we're still seeing people reporting individual stressors like work and money, um, Mm -hmm. it's these national-level stressors that really seem to be driving the spirit of the country right now, um, and not necessarily in a good way. Um, And so, again, we really encourage people to be active about managing your stress. And one of the things people have said to us is that by voting, it helps them feel more in control. By focusing on the issues that they care about, whether it's the climate or um, immigration and, you know, contributing in some way financially or with other resources, that they feel like that helps manage their stress. So we really want people to not feel victim to their stress, but instead to Mm -hmm. think of ways that you can actively contribute to your community um, or to the country that make you feel like you're you're doing something active to manage it. Beautiful answer. Where can we find more information about the American Psychological Association and its annual Stress in American Surveys? So you can go to our website, which is www.apa.org, for a lot of information and and materials for the public about what stress is and how to manage it. And you can also go to our stressinamerica.org site, which has all the information about the last uh, 13 years of studies that we've conducted. Beautiful. Now, before I end, I have one last question. You would definitely concur that meditation is good to help alleviating stress, correct? A hundred percent. And what's really interesting is this year we saw um, the first significant increase in people reporting that they're using uh, meditation and or yoga to help manage their stress. So we really saw that as a very positive sign. Oh, that was good to hear. Thank you so much, Dr. Wright. All the very best. I appreciate all the information that you've given us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sister Jenna. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, our national stress levels at an all-time high, folks. That means the collective energy is resonating everywhere we turn. That means you turn left, you turn right, you turn up, you turn down. You're feeling this anxiousness, this like what's going to happen to our future. Anyway, hold tight. Uh, it was such great research. Go back into it. Go and check it out. Go to their website and find out what you can basically do to also help to alleviate your stress. I think it's an important factor now than for us to allow the stress vibration to be normalized. I may accidentally went onto Twitter, uh, I think it was around 9 o'clock, and saw something that was so disturbing. And it was just one sentence and the picture, whatever, and it was just so disturbing that even though it was a millimeter of a second as I scroll through, I knew that that hurt me. I knew that energy went in me because I could feel it in my body. So imagine if you are on your social media and you are going through scrolling up, swiping left, swiping right, and you're going through a hundred of these in a day, not including the stress factor with your colleagues at work, your partners at home, your kids, traffic, economy, health. Whoa, America, wake up. Please, take a breather. Please. 
and I'm especially since so many millennials listening to our show. Guys, you've got to pause a lot during the day. And to the Gen Zs, you are our future. And we're just asking you for help that your spirit energy, your thought energy, your your being energy, your soul's energy, if it's being wasted on matters in which you have no interest for, you can't make a difference, you can only watch so many people do so many dances or say or act, it's like a waste. And And I'm telling you what I feel, that I'm also reaching this point where I'm just like, I'm not interested in any of that. I don't need it. What we need now is personalities of great integrity, presence of silence, wisdom, compassion, tenacity, humor, and power. And so this is our wake-up call, and this is our moment in history to choose love over fear. I hope you've enjoyed our chit-chat with Dr. Bailey Wright um, from the, interesting, the American Psychological Association. So for more information, just go to APA.org if you have any questions. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same, like it or not. And if you shine bright, you just might be able to inspire those around you to shine bright as well. So it's our pure wishes and pure feelings today that today is your day that it's just special for you. And um, you've been able to shine some more light wherever you go. Here's Natam Kaur in Ek Omkar. Take a breather, enjoy, and be peaceful.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.